0: Hi there, Duke fans. Welcome to the midweek edition of the Duke Basketball Report podcast, episode 236 coming at you. We got some interesting Duke news for you. We got some stuff going on in the NBA. Um, We got a lot to talk about this week, and I am your host. My name is Jason Evans. Thanks for joining us. I am joined, as always, by my two partners in crime, Sam Klein in New York. New York, how's it going, Sam?
1: I am in New York this week. I am currently drinking a black cherry flavored seltzer water. It is delicious. It looks, you might think, Jason, that it looks like I'm drinking a beer, but I'm just drinking a seltzer water and it is very tasty. I have not had this particular flavor before and I am intrigued by it. I am currently dual screening with the Cardinals Padres playoff game and it's Wednesday night. I know we're going to talk NBA finals. The Game one of the NBA finals is coming on soon after this. So we will probably still be recording when that game tips off.
0: Yeah, and by the way, speaking of the baseball playoffs, uh I had a good the epic game, 13 innings of scoreless baseball until MVP, future MVP Freddie Freeman walks off for the Braves. Uh that was that was a lot of fun. Um uh, I did. My, speaking yeah. of
1: baseball, speaking of baseball, and before we get to Donald, who is here, I'm going to spoil that as a big surprise. Ooh. I received a text message today um, from somebody down in Durham who, who randomly was sending me a video of a speech that I gave last year at Dane's Bar on Ninth Street after the Nationals finished winning the World Series. I was at the bar. I, I do recall that that night I was at the bar with with a number of friends. I do not recall what I said. So it was nice to get uh, th- this video of this speech that I made. Most of it was incoherent anyway. And, and my voice was incredibly hoarse. But um, anyway, there were good times last year in baseball for me. So I remember them fondly or don't.
0: <laughs> and as Sam spoiled for you like you didn't know, Donald Wine is also with us. How's it going, Donald?
2: Uh, So my setup is not as cool as Sam's. I do not have a uh, blackberry, cherry, whatever, salsa water. Uh, I I was actually thinking about getting some. Uh, I don't have any in the crib right now. Uh, I have been without internet for the last six days. I'm sorry, seven days. Tomorrow will be eight. It's supposed to be fixing tomorrow, so I am doing this on a mobile hotspot from my phone to my computer. Uh, this is a wild setup while I'm doing that on my other iPad, which also is running on data because I, again, have no internet. I am watching a different set of playoffs. I watched baseball earlier today. Right now I have my Detroit city who are in the playoffs of the NISA fall tournament. They are playing the LA force right now. They're up right now. So hopefully that keeps going and hopefully I can do all of this. Without any issues with regards to my data kicking out, so uh, everyone out there, if I have any issues uh, with audio quality, I apologize in advance. But let's get to
1: some basketball. Donald, yes, do you want us? Donald, do you want us to like Venmo you for your internet bill for this month? Because I feel like it's gonna be it's gonna be expensive.
2: No, see what happened was is they're gonna give me credit for all these internet days that I did not get, so my bill should be fine. Um, so you're it, just going it, to be – you're
1: going to be downloading
2: everything this week. Oh, once, once tomorrow? If they're not here by 10 a.m. tomorrow, uh, the sound that anyone on the East Coast hears, feel it will feel like a rumble. That's me heading to RCN's headquarters uh, in D.C. to give them a piece of my mind. I gave them a little piece, a little taste of what they're going to experience yesterday. But if they're not here tomorrow at 10 a.m., there will be hell, and it will be uh, – it's going, to be, it's going to be something that must see TV. It's going to be the biggest fight you'll ever see. It's going to be me versus RCN. And I guarantee you, RCN is not going to win.
0: Okay, so with that in mind, <laughs> let's actually get to the content of this podcast.
1: What are we talking about?
0: Yeah, so what are we talking about? We're talking about some basketball scheduling. Uh, Sam mentioned this last episode. We love speculating about the schedule. And we heard a few weeks ago, that there was this sort of, breathless word that came out of Durham that Duke was scheduling this special social justice kind of thing. And we didn't know the teams and we speculated that maybe Howard would be one of them. And we were naming like other high powered teams across the country. We named Creighton and Villanova, Gonzaga, I, you know, we were picking out big names cause we were sure this was going to be a huge, huge to do. Um, we were right about Howard coming to it and we celebrated Donald's correct prediction that that Howard would be one of the teams in this tournament. Well, today came news, not official from Jeff Goodman, but Jeff Goodman has really good sources. Jeff Goodman says the other teams in this special cool tournament are Elon and Bellarmine. Now, I, I don't want you all to have to go look it up, so I looked it up for you. Bellarmine is new to division one. This is a team that had been in division two. And this year is their first year as a division one basketball program. By the way, they are a stud division two program. They've, they made four division two final fours this decade and they won the division two national title in 2011. But still, (laughs) we are going to be playing Elon and Bellarmine. Howard will also be there, but we won't be playing Howard. Um, uh, and by the way, I think the reason Elon is part of this, guys, do you guys remember the name Mike Schragge? Mike Schragge was Duke's Director of Basketball Operations from 2002 to 2008. He then left to be an assistant coach with Johnny Dawkins at Stanford. But a deep connection to the Duke program, Mike Schragge is the head coach of Elon. So... I
1: need you to just... I need, wait, wait.
2: It's it's Mike Shraggy. Is it Shraggy? It's Shraggy, yeah. It's also- right. It's also, it's also Elon,
1: Elon and Bellarmine.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna
1: leave start this that whole thing over then. Leave this, No, 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 no. Leave all of this in.
0: How the hell do I? <laughs> Bellarmine? How do you know it's Bellarmine? How's it not Bellarmine? Because
2: I, I will. I will tell you why I know it's Bellarmine because I looked it up on YouTube and they have a pronunciation YouTube on how to pronounce Bellarmine and it's Bellarmine. Bellarmine, Elon, and Mike Shragg.
0: I got the info, even if I can't. Even if I, even if I can't spell it, even if I can't pronounce it right, I got the info. Fine, we'll leave all this in. Ordinarily, people something like this, we would take it out. We're going to leave it in for your oh, for Jason, your enjoyment. Jason, here's the
1: thing you've <laughs> you've made this Elon mistake before, and I know we've corrected you. So it's like like I, I, it, it was one thing for you to have gone through the college admissions process for multiple sons and not gotten Elon. But, but now we're, we're way past you being correct. So we're leaving this in. This is your thing now. <laughs> uh, hey,
0: I will, I will wear it as a badge of honor that I cannot pronounce these tiny schools that Duke is playing. Let's get to the substance here, which is, what is Duke doing playing cupcakes? I mean, I guess we do it every year, but I'm still, guys, Donald, aren't you, aren't you disappointed? And we're not even going to play Howard. I thought we were going to play Howard at bare, at the bare minimum. What What's going on here? So, first
2: off, I am disappointed that we're not playing Howard. I thought that would have been a great matchup. It would have been a great boost for Howard's program. Again, Kenny Blakeney, friend of the podcast. It would have been a great test to to see us go up against uh, Maker uh, and that new-look Howard-Bison defense or offense. But, you know, we have to schedule some teams. We can't schedule all heavy hitters, and every year – We have a couple – we usually get this out of the way in the early part of the season and in the preseason. But as we've mentioned a couple of times, there is no preseason. We're not going to have any exhibition games. We're not going to have any scrimmages. So Bellarmine, uh, a team that we normally probably would have played in the preseason as an exhibition game, now gets the honor of coming to Cameron to be a regular season game. So I kind of get where they're going with this. As a fan, obviously, we're like, oh, man, we'd love to play Howard. We'd love to play a team – that would be better than Bellarmine or, or Elon. But I think when it comes to the full make out of the schedule, it really means that we can speculate further about the teams that we will play before that. Now, again, the schedule sets up where November 25th is the start date. That's right around Christmas. I'm sorry, right around Thanksgiving. So who are we going to play that Thanksgiving weekend? Uh, this is considered the multi-team event that we, have talked about that gives us an exempt number of games. We're getting two out of it, which means that whatever we're doing over Thanksgiving cannot be a multi-team event that is exempt from the 25 game max. So if we play two or three games over Thanksgiving weekend, those will count towards our non-conference schedule. And so I'm wondering who those teams are going to be. Could that be where we come with a decent team, uh, a power five team of some sort? Not sure. Uh, But I do think that they are, the so called cupcakes. I mean, we can't overlook any of these teams. I don't care what it's, what, what, how you pronounce their name. We can't overlook them because every game is going to matter this year, especially when we have fewer games than we normally do. But there was going to be the opportunity for Duke to have to schedule a couple of these. And I think when it comes to Elon, that makes sense. We've played them in the past, they're right down the road. And that's a way for them to just kind of come in and kind of have a local team involved. Bellarmine with. Bellamy, I don't understand why they're bringing them in per se over another school. We'll probably get the gist of what happens there down the road. But I think it's going to be one of those things where the showcase is going to be Duke and it's going to be Howard. And I think from a fan perspective, it, you know as much as we wanted to see those two teams play each other, the focus is going to be on those two teams on the two days. And that means that
0: they won't. Sam, uh, the fact that we're playing these teams – while, while it may be a little disappointing to us, it's a big deal for these teams. I mean, playing a school like Duke on national television, you know, these games, uh, you know, I don't know if it'll be ACC Network or, or ESPN or what, but someone's going to pick up these games. It's a really, really big deal for these smaller programs to get these kind of games, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And there was an article this week on ESPN about the challenge that all these mid-major schools are currently facing with scheduling these types of games this year because normally duke brings in i i I don't have last year's schedule in front of me but duke had probably six or seven or eight of these games where they get you know lower quality opponents the the elons of of division one basketball to come to cameron indoor duke pays them you know something in the range of of tens of thousands maybe a hundred thousand dollars to come which helps fund those schools' athletic departments for not just basketball, but but lots of other sports use a lot of that money. And, and this article was talking about how challenging it is this year for schools, one, to get those dates on the calendar because there are fewer games available and more and more Power Five conferences are adding games rather than giving their teams more opportunities to get those buy games. And then if you can schedule one of those games, they then have to put in all the precautions about how much testing the team is doing and and what kind of PPE is available. Are they going to get enough hotel rooms to to house all these players? So all of these are factors that are that are really limiting the ability for big schools to play small schools. So yeah, it is it is great for Howard and Elon and Bellarmine to uh, be able to get these games in for Duke because guys given the the limitations on the schedule this year these might be like the only cupcake games that or or some of the only cupcake games that duke is able to play and and that is not that's not because duke doesn't have the the money to support that sort of thing that's because there aren't any more games left in the schedule they have to play 20 acc games they have to play michigan state in the acc or in the champions classic and they have to play and a still yet to be determined Big Ten school in the ACC Big Ten challenge. so we are running out of games to to put into a limited schedule for this year.
0: and, and you were exactly right by the way. I, I went and looked at the at last year's schedule. Duke did have seven small programs um you know by very definition mid major and and even smaller than mid major who came into Cameron indoor Stadium last year to 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 mostly get their butts kicked except for Stephen F Austin by Duke. Uh, and and yeah, it's it's it is the lifeblood of these programs to to get games like this. It is, you know, it's the difference in whether or not some of these programs are able to survive. And and I fully think, especially with the connection that Duke has to to the Elon program, that, that it's very possible that we realized that by bringing them in, we were we were really helping them out. We were we were perhaps you know saving the, those programs from some real really, really difficult times by by getting a little bit extra money.
1: That that one game might pay the coach's entire salary. For that year that at least the head coach's salary for that year uh, uh
0: probably not maybe probably an assistant coach not the head coach couldn't quite get there in that
1: I, I don't know i don't know how much you pay a, a, a head coach in in lower level division one
0: donald wrap this topic up for us
2: so the other thing about this is even with us playing elon and bellarmine we're still going to have a pretty decent non-conference schedule and i dare to say of course we we can speculate on this it could be among the best in the country because again, everyone is hamstrung by this rule of having, you know, five or six max non-conference games. So all of these other teams, I mean, and we normally have a pretty decent non-conference schedule when you add in the champions classic and the ACC Big Ten challenge and whatever tournament early season multi-team event that we end up doing, there's no, this is not the exception here. So we're going to have that. We're going to have a little bit of a balance, but at the end of the day, this is all of these teams in college basketball are going to have some of these games because they have to play each other. And at the end of the day, when we're talking about the incidentally tournament and the metrics surrounding it with the net and Pomeroy and all this stuff, the 20 game ACC schedule is really what's going to set us apart from the rest of the ACC. And with all the other conferences, only some conferences are only doing conference games. So we really have to know that this non-conference schedule is only going to help us. It won't hurt us.
0: All right, so enough about the schedule speculation. As more games get confirmed, we will uh, have more details for all of you. But we're going to move on now to to something that is somewhat tangential to Duke basketball because there's only one guy involved with it, and that is the NBA Finals. Uh, we have the Miami Heat, the huge underdog Miami Heat, playing the L.A. Lakers. And the Duke connection, of course, is Duke's own Quinn Cook, um, who uh, plays for the Lakers, doesn't play all that often you know, basically gets into games that aren't that competitive. But hey, if if the Lakers do as everyone expects and they get a victory, Quinn will get another very, very nice large ring to go with the one he, he won when he was part of the Warriors a few years ago. So, uh, um, uh, Donald, let me go to you first. Uh, tell me, you know, what are you thinking about the NBA Finals? Any predictions you got for us, perhaps? Uh, LeBron James is just... Like every year, it, you can book him into the finals, can't you?
2: Basically. I mean, if you look at the last decade, there was only one year that he didn't make the NBA finals, and that was last year. Uh, and for a 35-year-old... Uh, he was injured. A, he,
0: he was hurt last year. He, you know? he was hurt.
2: And, and really, yeah, if he had played a full schedule, uh, who knows what they could have done. And, and that was without Anthony Davis. This year with Anthony Davis, they're that much better. Uh, listen, with this playoffs, it, it's easy to say the Lakers are going to run away with this. And I'm one of those people who are like, yeah, the Lakers are the better team, but let's not, you know, let's not discredit how the Miami heat got there. They beat some ballers of teams to get to the NBA finals. To say they're underdogs is weird considering they're the five seed, but they were the underdog in every single series that they played and they won. And and really when it comes to it, they're going to seal a couple games. I think, I think it's going to be Lakers in six, but I think LeBron in the end is just, you know, it's almost it's almost destiny for him. He's got to, at this point, to be with the Lakers. This is what he came to L.A. to do, to win the NBA Finals, to win a championship. And I think he's going to get that done this year. But I do think the Miami Heat are going to make it really hard for him because Jimmy Butler, uh, Tyler Hero, Bam, out of bio. Those guys are playing some excellent basketball. It's been really fun to watch them. I say that as someone who, back when I lived in Miami, did not like the Heat because they weren't a lot of likable guys on the team. But this team has a lot of likable players, and we've seen them come to light through these finals. So I, strap in; it's going to be a great series. uh You know, it starts a, a, as we record. It's going to start just right around now. Uh, but when we kind of watch this series and kind of think back it will be what I think a great culmination to what has been an incredible restart of basketball inside the bubble in Orlando. And I think the NBA has a lot to be proud of, but to have these two teams face off for the title, I think really sums up what the season has been about guys who can play basketball and play it well when it counts.
0: So I think the heat have more depth. They have more weapons that can potentially, you know, go off and carry them for a little while. Uh, but they clearly have no one. Um, I mean, Jimmy Butler is the closest they've got to anyone on the caliber of LeBron and Anthony Davis. And and frankly, uh, th- there's a gulf between the talent of the top two guys on the Lakers and the, and the third best player in this series, who you know, e- either, either Bam Adebayo or Jimmy Butler probably. But um, I, I think that's why you have to favor the Lakers in this thing. Hey, Sam, let me ask you something. if, LeBron wins this title. It will be his fourth title. Three of them with completely different teammates, completely different teams. I, I haven't looked to see if that's been done before. If it's been done before, it's been done by someone who is a role player, not the best player on the team, not the star of the team. There's no star that goes from team to team and wins titles in each one of those different cities. It's it's kind of unbelievable. Um, does this make a better argument for LeBron? you know, alongside or ahead of Michael Jordan or, you know, what what's your feeling on all that?
1: I think it is remarkable the way LeBron has reinvented himself so many times in the NBA, you know, from, from the time he, he came up in 2003 and and made it to the finals just a few years later with the Cavs for the first time. And then going to the heat back to the Cavs and now on the Lakers, where, as you said, he's had completely different sets of teammates. I mean, there is nothing, there is no like singular thread through all of the, the great teams that LeBron has played on the, the big men that have been beside him in, on these finals runs. You had Chris Bosch and then you had Kevin Love and you have Anthony Davis, totally different types of players, you know, looking at the, at the point guard situation, LeBron is now the point guard in LA and before he was playing with lead guards like Kyrie Irving and Dwayne Wade. So it's been, it's been a completely different setup for him in every one of these destinations. And yeah, I, I, Donald said it before if if it's any time in the last 10 years and LeBron James is healthy he's in the finals and and that is it's it's an incredible achievement for him and yeah I I I think that if he wins it here sure why not I, I think he's I think he's the the greatest basketball player we've ever seen the fact that he's doing it he does it so consistently and that he's at this age he's still He's still the best player on the court when when he's healthy, because obviously he wasn't last year. But when he's healthy, he's he's better than everybody else. And there's like no question about that. I did want to make sure that we'd noted that although the Heat have no players on the floor who are Duke guys, Shane Battier is in the front office. So if you want to feel good about rooting for either team in this series, yes. Quinn Cook is on the bench for the Lakers, but Shane Battier is in a suit for the Heat. So some Duke guy is getting another ring this year, although it's somebody who's already won an NBA championship and won an NCAA championship. So we're not really spreading the love around too much.
2: No, I don't think I want to, though. That's fine. They're two of the most lovable guys in Duke history to me. Uh, we all know our, our thoughts on both Shane and Quinn. So uh, the fact that one of them is going to get more jewelry uh, to add to their jewelry case, perfect. Works for me.
0: So we're all going to be watching these NBA finals. It's going to be a lot of fun, and and we'll be talking more about them as they, as they move along, and we'll be rooting for either Quinn or Shane. I'm fine with either one of those guys getting a ring. Like you said, Donald, they are great guys. We're going to take a quick break right now, though, and when we come back, straight from the horse's mouth, you're going to hear from J.J. Redick talking about how he was treated by rival fans when he was at Duke. It's a sobering story. It's really worth listening to. We'll have that after this quick break. Okay, guys, we are back. And uh, like we just teased, like I just mentioned, uh, JJ Reddick had a a very interesting piece of sound that we want to play for you. This comes out of JJ's podcast. He has a, uh, you know, JJ, we, we are podcasters, but we are sort of amateurs compared to JJ. He is one of the great podcasters around and he has a brand new podcast, which is called the old man and the three, by the way, that's like one of the greatest names I've ever heard for a podcast. The old man in the three. That is a, that's just so perfect for JJ Redick. But as his guest on one of the first episodes of this podcast, he had Grayson Allen and he and Grayson got into a conversation about who was more hated because both of these guys really had to endure a ton of abuse when, you know, when they were at Duke, um, each of them were the the focal point of the entire universe of college basketball hating on duke players and i want to play a little piece of sound for you i will warn everybody there is explicit language in this jj unfiltered is what you're about to get but this is jj redick he doesn't identify the team that he's talking about but you can tell i think you will know that it is the maryland terrapins he's talking about a game his sophomore year and what he was what it was like how he was treated by the Maryland fans. It's a very interesting conversation. Have a listen to that and then we'll talk about it.
3: I want to share in one game my sophomore year, these four (laughs) things happened. (laughs) In one game, okay? I come out for warmups, there's a sign that says JJ drinks his own pee. Hilarious, okay? There's also (laughs) a sign, there's also a sign that says, uh, makes a reference to um, a lewd sex act with my 12 year old sister, okay? Then there's a group of students sitting on the front row who have these custom t-shirts made and they say, when I it's a picture of me, and they say, when I grow up, I want to name my kid J.J. Reddick, And then on the back, it says, and beat him every day. <sighs> so then, this, the Baltimore Ravens owner starts talking shit to me. He's sitting courtside. He starts talking shit to me. I'm, I'm having a good game, so I start yapping back. This, of course, incites other people in the stands to start yelling things at me. And then, at the end of the game, I'm hitting the sort of game-clinching free throws, and the entire arena starts chanting, Fuck you, JJ. That was one game. (laughs) And that, from not even that point on, because it was happening before that, that was pretty much every road game that I had at Duke. That was my experience. Um, I didn't have to deal with social media, and thank God I didn't, because I don't know that I would have not been kicked off the Duke team.
0: (laughs) All right. So, uh, I mean, wow. You know, JJ points out the reason, by the way, JJ is talking about social media there at the end is because Grayson Allen says that he had it worse, that he was more hated than JJ because of social media that Grayson Points out that you know there was this universe that allow of social media that allowed people to actually reach out and somewhat interact with him and interact with people around him, people that knew him in a way that that they sort of couldn't with JJ. But they both agreed that JJ had it way worse when he went into the stadiums when he you know actually had to be in person in front of the fans and and that's what prompted JJ to tell that very sobering story. Donald, I, you were there at the time so to speak. I mean, th- these are your years when you were at Duke. To tell, you know, give me a little reaction to what we just heard from JJ Redick about the way he was treated.
2: I can attest to every single syllable that that man said on that little clip uh, about how he was treated night in and night out in every single arena. And honestly, he he kind of he kind of fell short What he saw in the arena was one thing, but that man had to live that anytime he left Duke's campus. I don't care where he went, if he went to Walmart, if he went to Ninth Street, if he went to Franklin Street. It does not matter. That man was getting just tormented all over the place by everyone. And yeah, there was no social media back then, but we did have AOL Instant Messenger. And let me tell you, I had some friends who who was AOL AOL Instant Messenger their away messages were about J.J. Reddick. They had never met the child. But listen, like when it comes to Grayson, he, he had it bad. It, mostly it was on the internet. Like, like he said, it wasn't a lot in the stadium that he had to deal with. I mean, It went to a lot of games on the road uh, that, in, that Grayson was playing in. He didn't get the torment nearly as much as J.J. Reddick did. J.J. Reddick could be in a neutral site. He could have been in a Baskin-Robbins. It did not matter. That man was hated on wherever he went, and every shot he took made people more angry at him because every shot he made <laughs> went in. So uh, that is the sort of thing that y- you kind of look back and if there was social media when JJ was around, how much worse it would have been, and maybe it would have been less in the stands and more on online. But that man had it worse than just about anybody I've ever seen in my life.
1: JJ came to Duke right around when. Facebook was proliferating around college internet. And then by the time he graduated, it was, I think like basically every high school and college student had Facebook. So it was very early internet. I was in high school in Maryland at the time that JJ was in college. So I may not, I I don't think I went to as many Duke games as, as Donald did during that time, but I certainly remember it because I grew up about 25 minutes from college park and I was a big Duke fan in high school, so. All the things you can imagine. All of the things that people would have been saying to JJ Reddick on Twitter if he had played at Duke in 2015. They were saying all of those things to me at school in in those years. So I heard all of the disgusting things about JJ Reddick, and I I loved JJ Redick in in college. He was definitely my favorite player when he was at Duke. So uh, I, I I remember all that vitriol, although it, it didn't get to appear on the internet the same way that it did for Grayson Allen and. Yeah, I, I like. I, I remember there also being a story about JJ Reddick's phone number leaking out to so, like some Maryland fan got JJ Reddick's phone number and they were calling his his cell phone all like the night before the game, or they were calling his hotel room. Like all all like all those like kinds of pranks, everything was was pulled on him. So uh, it was a fun conversation, though. It was kind of fun to to relive all those memories because for the most part, those guys got the better of the teams that they played, and 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 the crowds didn't get to them.
2: I will say when it comes to uh, that particular game in question, I will never forget this because that game is actually the first time that Maryland fans were called out for being Maryland fans. And they were called out by one of their own. It was Scott Van Pelt. And it was immediately, uh, just like they do now, uh, when you have a big college game or a big NBA game, it immediately shifted to Sports Center right afterwards. So when they do the, the – yeah, I guess we replay the clip so we can say, when they scream, fuck you, J.J., That is something that was caught on on the broadcast. So if you were watching that game, you could hear it. Scott Van Pelt, after the game on SportsCenter, just ripped into Maryland fans. And again, he's an alum. He said, guys, you guys are screaming at this kid. You're calling his sister things. You're calling his his mother things. You're screaming F.U.J.J. The man dropped 26 points on you, got the win and left. And you guys are the ones that look like idiots. And it was the first time that anyone had really said, Maryland fans, you need to do better. And it was Scott Van Pelt who did that. And that man is, is you know, without reproach. The man can do no wrong in my mind because he was the first one to call out Maryland fans for what they were. And it's something that we had talked about. I mean, again, Gone in 54 was my freshman year. And that was, you know, they threw batteries and, and knocked out Carlos Boozer's mom in the stands with a water bottle. This is JJ sophomore year. That's my senior year. So all four years of my college career, we had to go through the tormenting by Maryland fans. Players had to do that. And nobody was, everyone was like, well, as Duke, you guys should handle it. Scott Van Pelt. This game was the turning point where Scott Van Pelt and others said, you guys cannot do this anymore.
0: By the way, it's worth pointing out. You, you mentioned JJ had 26 points in that game. I went back and looked it up. Duke won that game 68-60, to 60. so J.J. had 26 of the 68 points that Duke scored, almost half of our points. I mean, those Maryland fans, they can chant all they want. They can wear offensive t-shirts and have crazy signs all they want. J.J. owned them, period, end of story.
2: They can chant all they want. You know where they're chanting? In the parking lot, going home after a loss.
0: All right, gentlemen, we got one more topic that we want to talk about here. And uh, it it is, you know, one that we have sort of struggled through the past few weeks, Duke football. We have a game coming up this weekend against Virginia Tech. Now it's worth noting that we're not really sure who's going to be playing for Virginia Tech because this past weekend they had more than 20 players who missed the game that they played against NC State uh, because they had coronavirus and we have no idea how many of those players will have recovered enough to be able to play in this game. We don't know if there are other players on the Virginia Tech team who have gotten coronavirus since then who will also not be allowed to play. Um, By the way, it wasn't just players. The the defensive coordinator, Justin Hamilton, who is the defensive coordinator for Virginia Tech, he was also out because he had coronavirus. It infected not just the players but the coaches. Of course, it didn't matter because Virginia Tech just absolutely – Gobsmocked NC State. They won. They, they, uh, I got it. What was the final score? Oh, they won 45 to 24. They won 45 to 24 over NC State. They raced out to a 17 to nothing lead. This was a, you know, big win for the Virginia Tech Hokies. Uh, Sam, I will go to you first. What should we be looking for in this game? Um, Is this a really, really good Virginia Tech team or? Um, or does Duke maybe have a chance? I mean, if we don't turn the ball over seven times, I guess we have a chance, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. To your first question, Duke, or this Virginia Tech team is very good. Uh, but about the about the effect of COVID, I found a quote from Virginia Tech's head coach, Justin Fuente. He said, each week is different and there is no guarantee that we'll have a full complement of people coming into the next week. It was nice for us to get to do it. It was nice for us to play well. I don't want to make too much of it. So he, he admits after last week's game, that we, we don't know who's going to be playing for Virginia Tech. Today is Wednesday. They have at least one more, if not two more rounds of testing before the game on Saturday. So we have, we have no idea how decimated their team is going to be. If they bring anything like the set of players that they brought last week, because many of the many of the players were already out last week. If they bring many of the same players, it's going to be a tough day for Duke. Virginia Tech is really able to move the ball. They have multiple guys that they can slot in at quarterback and and a strong um, strong offensive skill player roster over there. Um, so the as you said, Jason, you alluded to the the turnovers from last week. Duke cannot turn all these red zone trips into turnovers. And if that means that Chase Bryce needs to sit out a few possessions to allow Gunnar Holmberg to, to, you know, take the helmet quarterback. So be it because Duke can't afford to to leave the red zone without touchdowns this week against Virginia tech. And, and those series where Virginia tech is on offense and Duke is on defense is going to be, uh, should be, you know, good against good as far as like, the 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 quality of both of those sides for for the respective teams but yeah it's going to be another tough week for duke virginia tech obviously you know had a had a game last week where they were shorthanded but they've still only had one game this year this is duke's fourth match and and they're they're fourth in four weeks and they they appear to be on their heels at this point so uh, don't hold out a ton of hope but but you know maybe maybe covid will will come in handy for duke one of these weeks
0: so by the way, one thing that I think may motivate Virginia Tech at least a little bit, um, arguably the last best game that Duke played was September of last year against Virginia Tech, where we absolutely destroyed them 45 to 10. It, it, it's as good a performance as we saw from the Blue Devils last season. I am sure Virginia Tech remembers that game and and how badly Duke spanked them. Um, it, it, it was even worse than forty-five to ten. I, if I remember properly, Virginia Tech's touchdown that they scored was very late in the game. Um, we were absolutely destroying them, so they they probably feel extra motivation to to take on Duke and and get some revenge for last season. Donald, what's your feeling about this game?
2: I mean, I think we need to show who we really are. We haven't seen a really good string of Duke performance in a game so far this season. We've we saw flashes of of brilliance uh, against Notre Dame, and that was really it. But when it comes to Virginia Tech, I, I can't really comment on what Virginia Tech's doing because, as Sam noted, we don't know who's going to be playing on their side. They could show up with 11 guys. They could show up with 100. We don't know. But when it comes to us, I know that the running game needs to be better. The We need to take care of the football. And on defense, we can't give up big plays. That's how we beat them last year. That's how we smoked them last year, is that we had a lot of big plays. We, any, any time they wanted to try and move the ball, we, we stuffed them. And we had the momentum when we took the ball and we shoved it down their throat, every single possession. We have to be in that mentality. But really, when it comes to this, I said this before, it's a gut check time for our Duke Blue Devil football team. We have to make sure that we come out the gates rolling because if we don't Virginia tech will punish us and we don't want to enter. We don't want to go into next week. 0 and four, we are already at the bottom of the ACC. We want to get off of the seller and this is the way to do it by coming out and really going after a Virginia tech team. That probably is looking down at us saying, Oh, these, this team is, is a walkthrough. So let's make sure that we take care of business. Hold on to the football, please. I don't want seven turnovers. I don't want one. Let's let's try and hold on to the football and let's get that running game established because if we can do that, then maybe we have a chance at beating the Hokies.
0: I like it. That formula works for me. So that's gonna pretty much do it for us here on DBR podcast episode number two hundred and thirty-six. Hey, folks, uh, Jason, out, Jason, yeah, Sam, Jason, yes. before
1: we go, the I, I mentioned at the top of the show that the NBA finals would probably start while we were recording. So I am now watching game one of the NBA finals. And if you haven't, if you didn't watch game one, because by the time you listen to this, this game will be over. But if you didn't watch, uh, watch the next game and note the the weird visual effect of the painting of the court. They've got uh, each each of the baselines as a has a very bright color. One end is red and one end is blue. I think it's blue. I'm colorblind, so I, I could be wrong. But um, it, it, has a, it has a very strange effect when you watch it on TV. Anyway, uh, hope everybody's watching the NBA Finals. That was it for me.
0: Thank you for interrupting me and ruining my train of thought, there, Sam. The red,
1: <laughs> the red,
2: and the blue are for the conferences. Blue for the Eastern Conference, red for the Western Conference. That's usually what they do in the have NBA. Those, have those have those colors always been established? I didn't know that. Uh, again, they have again been though, over the years, but not for the. They haven't been on the court for the playoffs. This is the first time you will see them inside the bubble.
0: Well, remember that the court is the same for everybody, which is a brand new occurrence, you know, this time because of the bubble. So they can do all kinds of funky stuff with it that ordinarily they wouldn't do because the court is presumably owned by different teams. Now it's owned by Disney and the NBA. But anyway, all right, enough about the basketball court. We're going to say goodbye. But before we say goodbye, as I was about to mention please like and subscribe, reach out to us via email. Our email address is dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, and you know the other thing you can do, leave a review. I'm going to start looking at, at the reviews that we get, and we'll read some of the really good reviews on this, on this podcast so you can be famous if you leave us a good, positive review. If you leave us a bad review, I'm just going to ignore it. That's, that's just the bottom line. But uh, for Donald and Sam, I am Jason. Thanks for being with us again. We'll be back this weekend. We'll be talking about how the football game went. And I'm sure we will have plenty of basketball news. Every time we think there isn't going to be basketball news, there is basketball news. So we always have something to talk about. I love it. It's good stuff. Anyway, that is it for episode 236. It is time for the Duke band to play us out and take us home.